We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. Hello everyone, welcome back to another edition of Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by the FFPC. My name's Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. My co-host, as always, is Mr. Sean Siegel, the co-owner of Rotoviz. Sean, it's a, a real fun time of the year. As we mentioned on the last show, we looked through uh, the recent Dynasty startup draft I did, and we'll have lots of talk over the coming weeks of players redraft and Dynasty values and looking at it from different angles. But on today's show, it's going to be another fun one because uh, you often talk on the show show about some of the drafts that you do including this particular one we looked at it last year as well as the mfl 10 of death and there's uh, lots of uh, industry leading experts uh, from the fantasy uh, industry that are involved in it and we're going to be looking at that in quite a bit of detail today so lots of good stuff coming up on the show including that so i'm excited for this one uh, are you excited for it definitely this is this draft is always one of my favorites it has uh as you mentioned a lot of the very top analysts in the community but also a lot of my best uh friends within sort of that group and so it's always fun to see what they will do and you know the the mix of player selections the mix 
of tactical moves that people make. I, I always enjoy seeing how people are going to approach this. And I, I think the variety within the draft makes it a lot of fun. This year, especially, I think there were more differences in terms of how people went about it, which is appropriate. You know, we had a 2018 season that pointed in a variety of different directions. And we've talked about it a little bit uh, on the show previously in terms of the roster construction explorer and how 2018 was actually not that similar to 2016 and 2017 in terms of how it played out with roster construction. And, uh, you know, that's something that's obviously very relevant for best ball and how you approach that going forward. But there are certainly takeaways for your dynasty team, for your regular redraft team that you can also see through that. So it should be a very fun draft to discuss. Yeah, lots of stuff to come up. As I mentioned on the last show we kind of covered, most of that show is related to the Dynasty draft today. Most of today's show is going to be related to that draft, but we're going to start that in the second half of today's show. We're going to talk about a couple of other articles up on the site as well while we go through it. So let's get straight into it. Let's jump into the second quarter. So, Sean, the first piece I wanted to look at this week was one from Pat Corain and uh, Rotoviz Radio. Listeners will know Pat from his time uh, doing the flagship show and many other shows along uh, on the channel. He also last year and hopefully this year did the uh, high stakes diaries uh, up there with Peter Overzet. So he's uh, a kind of a, a firm favorite of mine to listen into and also to read. So that's why I wanted to get this one on the show. He took a look this week and he's going to do a series pretty much looking at what if we're right. And this was part one in that series and he was talking about wide receivers to sell based on their adp uh, in terms of dynasty at the ffpc versus what we think at rotoviz in terms of our rotoviz uh, redraft rankings a couple of players that he did look at and this included antonio brown aj green jarvis landry alan robinson and Corey davis from the five that he, he really dived into and in this one the first in the series was there any that really stood out for you that maybe were a little bit of a surprise it's it's always interesting i think to see a couple of the guys who are somewhat established and still what a lot of people think of as sort of peak age type of wide receivers who could really see their dynasty value fall in the short term but you know pat has, has done a great job of picking these out here and, and it's interesting because in in the article he looks at the difference between our redraft rankings and the ffpc dynasty adp as you mentioned and you know that's that's a really cool way to do it one of the things he's looking at here is if they are close in those two areas and there are some red flags he's going to see a lot more potential for that dynasty trade value to fall and pat has one of my very favorite article series on the site from a couple of years ago where he looks at dynasty trade value and looks at the way it basically declines throughout a player's entire career right and there are a lot of people who are targeting some of these uh, mid-career players late career players because uh, because of that peak age and because of this factor where we do see especially at the wide receiver position that some of the top guys will hang on for a long time and so you have that flip side of it where you know maybe don't sell a larry fitzgerald when he's 27 when he's going to go on to do all of this other stuff on the other hand the fact of the matter is there's just a lot more risk and a lot more downside when you're holding some of these guys and, and he's demonstrated that really well and we talked on the last show where it's actually more difficult to project how players are going to perform and if they're going to get injured and things like that than it is to simply turn your roster over and make sure that you have that you're always accumulating trade value because that trade value does 
reflect actual value. And when you build, you know, again, what you're trying to do, build a dynasty, you have that trade value then essentially moving into this huge actual value on your roster. So to go back and, and answer your question a little bit, he's got Antonio Brown, AJ Green, Jarvis Landry, Allen Robinson, Corey Davis. I think Brown and Green, perfect examples of guys where if they don't perform this year, their trade value is going to absolutely collapse. It's interesting with Landry and Robinson because Robinson is one of those guys who has this big name. He had a couple of good games last year, had that amazing uh, playoff game, but he is now very removed from his actual top level, his star season. You know, Blair Andrews has also written about how you don't actually want to chase these injured guys in terms of bounce back performances. And we saw that a little bit with, with Robinson last year, uh, where, you know, he returned to being a solid wide receiver, but he's no longer that guy who is going to give you those frontline points. And so if we get halfway into 2019 and he's still right in that range, then his dynasty ADP, his dynasty value is going to really fall off the table too. Of those five guys, are there any who you are really selling at this point? In terms of the way my rosters are constructed, I actually do have AJ Green on a couple of teams. And as we've talked about <laughs> over the last 12 months, I've uh, Tyler Boyd on pretty much all of my rosters. So what I have been trying to do is move Green where possible. Uh, I think, you know, he still has that kind of one to two year window, but uh, as well as uh, Pat points out here in his career, he's made his career pretty much based on consistency and not really having a huge amount of injuries throughout his career. Uh, you know, he hasn't had a season where he's averaged 20 plus PPR points per game over the entire season, but he has continued to be consistent in terms of his weekly output uh, over and over again. So he's somebody who I, I've been looking to try and move. If I'm looking, you know, in terms of when I'm drafting, if I have those opportunities, uh, Brian and green based on the age profiler players that i've been bypassing and i did mention on the last show that we do see opportunities sometimes when players are being cast aside for that you know premium in terms of them getting older but when you look at both of those guys in terms of uh dynasty they're still going off the the board uh, and the top 20 picks so that's that'll be a concern for me with those two so they're more bypasses and if i do have them on my rosters um i'm trying to sell but what i found recently with green and i don't have any shares of antonio brown it is hard to move them at the moment because people kind of know why you're trying to move them so unless it's somebody who's content in this year and wants to get that player uh, to try and push them over the edge it's going to be a little bit more difficult i think to move them for the value you might want to get alan robinson is an interesting one because coming out of college he was a player that i ended up with on quite a lot of my rosters and i still have him from that time and obviously he had the situation with Bartles being his quarterback but they did put up you know a huge amount of garbage time kind of points over those kind of two or three years but with the injuries they've kind of crept up on him and I do think the Bears offense isn't really going to have that standout star wide receiver one on the roster I think it will be spread around a little and I think we've seen that and I think there will be limitations in terms of what Trubisky can do uh, in the passing game so the, the interesting thing to start to look at from a dynasty perspective is with Alan Robinson um, he is you know heading in uh, into another year of his contract and the Bears can actually save 13 million in 2020 if they forgo that last year off his deal so there's sort of things that you need to start to to look at and I always like to look at players who are coming into free agency next year or players um, you know whose value could spike up if they you know they might be in a bad situation now and then next year if they get a move we can see that value spike so I'm always looking at what the contract situation are but the reverse of that is to look into what teams could potentially save and when you're looking at it as Alan Robinson a wide 
receiver who's going to be able to you know add that much value to the team uh, it's something at the moment that i'm not quite sure of so uh, he would also be heading into his age 27 season at that stage and hitting free agency it's hard to know what way some of these values could go Corey davis is the other one um, you know, with the, a wide receiver being drafted this year early, we don't know if Marcus Mariota is ever going to hit that full potential. So Davis is someone I still have a, a lot of hope for. And you know, if I was able to get him at the right price, I probably would be trying to acquire him uh, moving forward. But, you know, his problem has been based on that Titans offense and Mariota failing to, to put up huge numbers as well. Um, you know, 2018 was his best season with the 27 uh, f- finishing 27th at the wide receiver position 11.5 points per game uh, as pat pointed out as well so i just don't know if we'll ever see him hit that upside that we thought he would coming out of college again he was a player that i i drafted a lot of and uh, i'm still hopeful that there's a little bit of hope there but i i think that with this group you're kind of looking at uh you know robinson uh davis and also if you look at jarvis landry possibly having caps on what they can do obviously with odell beckham arriving now and cleveland as well and the other two guys then are at the older end of the spectrum so they're all ones to, to proceed with caution but i think if you have them in your roster you probably are trying to move them but you just might not get the value you want so you might end up holding them do you think that's where you're kind of you're going to end up with those guys or are you are you on the acquiring side of it i would never be picking up any of these older players unless it was at a pretty significant discount i do think antonio brown is interesting and that he's already going to a huge discount to what his recent performance has been and so at some point there he does become an interesting player even if it's just in the short term and i think there are opportunities to pick these guys up play them even for a portion of the year and move your team you know more into the area where you want to be in terms of playoff seeding you know if you're in a league where six teams make the playoffs then getting into that one seed that two seed that dramatically increases your chances to win simply because those playoff games are such crapshoots right so if you can pick up an antonio brown move yourself up in terms of seeding and then maybe even flip him before the season ends right if he has a good season then you know you're going to be able to get more value out of him while also having gotten the value from him when he was in your starting lineup so that'd be something that i would look to do it's something that i had some success with with adam Thielen in a number of leagues and i think that if you go that direction that would be the way to play it certainly these aren't guys that you're looking to hold for the long term although you know one of the things that, that pat points out that's really interesting which shows you both the risk in jarvis landry's value but also i think maybe a sneaky upside right is that landry was the 15th wide receiver in adp in 2016 and that was coming off a wide receiver 11 finish he was 21st in 2017 coming off wide receiver 13 17th in 2018 coming off a wide receiver four right he was the 17th wide receiver coming off a wide receiver four finish now you know that wasn't necessarily wrong in terms of the uh what happened then because he, he finished at wide receiver 19 so he, he was you know right in that range but now he is 26th in adp if this offense works the way some people are expecting if baker mayfield has that huge season if odell beckham has that huge season one of the things is that you know we've already seen beckham and landry uh function side by side before when they put up good numbers in college right there's enough to go around in that offense i mean beckham is going to be replacing a ton of targets from people who were extremely inefficient right he doesn't necessarily have to take targets away from landry so those two guys go out there light the world on fire beckham opens things up for landry i mean this could be a situation where you know beckham has the big plays but with 
him as the focal point, then Landry goes back to being that huge volume wide receiver. You know, certainly we've seen guys like Julian Edelman, uh, Wes Welker have success when there was a more talented wide receiver, uh, tight end, someone like that, taking these high value targets away from them, still having a ton of value. So Landry's always been my guy. He's still someone I would feel very comfortable with where he is right now. So allow me a brief second to tell you about our good friends over at the FFPC, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. If you're a diehard who loves to draft the FFPC, best ball leagues are already in full swing for the 2019 season, with drafts starting at just $35 all the way up to a $1,250 entry fee. Both slow and live drafts are filling and launching daily. And of course, as I mentioned on previous shows, if you are a fan of the Dynasty format, over the last few years, the FFPC has become the go-to destination for serious Dynasty dynasty players they now have over 300 active dynasty leagues starting at 77 dollars and even of a five thousand dollar entry dynasty league and the best part is not a single dynasty league has folded in nine years registrations for brand new startup dynasty leagues have opened and new legs are forming daily limited orphan teams are also available at discounted prices don't miss out on the ffpc experience go to myffpc.com and register now that's myffpc.com the home of season-long high stakes fantasy football this episode is brought to you by decoy wines of sonoma california as you gather with family and friends this summer experience the best of wine country with decoy by duckhorn Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. So Sean, as we continue on with the show, we did tease it at the top and we're going to look here at the piece you done up on the site looking at the recent draft and the MFL 10 of death and of course the best ball workshop to help get some of the players you wanted to get, I guess, get that strategy all set up. Uh, just before we get into the actual draft itself, what were some of the tactics you might have went into the draft with? Did you go in just with an open mind? Did you go in with... Uh, something that you were trying to achieve based on looking at the, the best ball workshop before what was your strategy going on it can be very very difficult going into a, a draft with uh, other like-minded people like yourself uh, and trying to get exactly what you want yeah so the mfl 10 of death is obviously it, it is always hugely entertaining it's a lot of fun uh patrick thorman put it together six years ago and we're now in in uh, mfl 10 of death six and it continues to evolve and, and be one of those really neat formats to see what some of the top experts are going to do in a best ball format when i was going into this i wanted to make sure i used our tour tools sort of in unison to uh, try and create some both tactical 
approaches that would give perhaps a slight advantage and then create some player selections to where we would be using multiple tools to make sure we're getting good value, especially early on there. So use the roster construction explorer that we have talked about at length in terms of the best ball workshop, use that fanball ADP dashboard where you can go in and you can see all different kinds of elements with ADP. Uh, Mike has recently added a cool tool where you can see the entire, you know, top 200 and some picks as a draft you can see it visually so you know if you want to see what a certain number a certain player corresponds to in terms of the round how they're falling in different guys just get that visual impression of it he's got that in the tool now uh, i was going back and forth as the draft went along between the draft grid on the site and the draft grid that he had put together to see you know you can just get a little more sense of, of where those values are if the guy is now you know at a one and a half round value a two round value maybe has fallen three rounds below value and we had Devin singletary who has an app around round 11 who was not drafted at all which gives a sense i think of how some particular players can be pretty big red flags if folks are concerned about a really uh, logjam depth chart like they have there with Buffalo. So you know, with, with those visuals, it, it gives you a really quick uh, cheat sheet to being able to see where maybe you do want to grab a guy before he gets to this next round, this next level. So the other tool that I used was the Rotoviz screener, which we've talked about. You can go in and actually not just grab all of these cool stats, uh, the raw stats, the advanced stats, but you can use to make projections. And so made some simpler projections for the running back and wide receiver positions, and then looked at our staff rankings and wanted to focus on players who were overvalued by both our rankings and the projections and kind of avoid those guys. If we can avoid those players early now, I mean, frankly, most of the guys you're going to look at in the first two rounds, they're very appealing players in one way or another, right? So we want to have some sort of, quick means of saying okay this guy is on the do not draft list even though maybe there is some element to him that's pretty intriguing and the do not draft list here threw up a handful of of, again i mean appealing names we have ezekiel elliott melvin gordon david johnson travis kelsey joe mixon dalvin cook and nick chubb the interesting thing there and kind of fitting with some of the discussions that we've had previously is that eliminates six running backs and one tight end it doesn't eliminate any wide receivers from our consideration and that goes back to this element that we've been talking about where running backs are very clearly overvalued based on what they would be projected to score in the following season right and when we're looking at best ball leagues in this particular format you're looking at a structure where you're looking at a starting lineup where you have two running backs three wide receivers and a flex position. So if you are attacking a position early on that is going to score fewer points and is less important simply because you have fewer starters, then you know that throws up a red flag and makes you wonder, well, how have things worked historically here? And what we talked about in the most recent best ball workshop is that if you draft a running back in the third round or the fourth round, it absolutely crushes your win rate, right? And so... By contrast, the best approach is to select a running back in round one and then really hammer wide receiver. You can go into the article here. You can look at the win rates for a running back wide receiver start, for a wide receiver running back start, and for a running back running back start. And 
the win rates go kind of in that order, right? So if you can go running back wide receiver, that would be your preference. The next best would be wide receiver running back. Once you start to get very running back heavy in the early rounds, you see these win rates start to really fall. So both the roster construction explorer and the sort of deep dive into player values kicks back the suggestion to take a running back if you can get one of the mega studs and then really hammer wide receiver and that's how i tried to start out the draft yeah and when we look at the draft uh digging a little bit deeper into it um obviously we have romy who had the first pick uh off the draft and then we also have uh, another one of the road of his team uh, mike beers then scott barrett then you were at pick number four uh lit round quarterback at pick number five pat thorman then we had sigmund bloom mike clay uh, we had Danny Carter, Evan Silva uh, moving all the way along to Lord Reeves at the end. So there's just a, a real uh, good group in there, smart guys uh, drafting. And obviously you have picked number four and the way it starts off is Barkley, McCaffrey, Elliot, and then you're up at four. So you've talked already about you know the strategy of what uh, the tools were showing and what we should be kind of looking towards. And I did see this tweeted out earlier in the week, and I said that Sean is keeping uh, zero RB alive and well. And as as we've mentioned on the show quite a few times, that people tend to misunderstand sometimes what zero running back is. You've kind of hit on it there that you can and you should probably target one of those stud running backs in that first round if you have the opportunity. And you did that with Alvin Kamara, and I probably think that he probably should be going third off the board anyway at this. So I think even at one spot behind, there's a value there. But is that was was Kamara kind of the target there? Was he who you were hoping to fall? Obviously, we we aren't going to see someone like Barkley or McCaffrey probably get to that fourth spot. Was he who you were hoping to get, and then go the rest of the way, like you mentioned, going with those wide receivers to to try and get that their core as strong as possible? It, it's tricky because like you mentioned the zero running back has been very successful for me in this particular league didn't necessarily want to go away from that i would certainly consider an alvin Kamara selection followed by a host of wide receivers to be you know what some people call you know one elite running back right and so the thing that i think about zero running back is that you don't have to use the exact zero running back tactics in order to modify that and have it be something that can be very successful so this was a difficult pick for me because in 2018 if you selected your running back one after round five right so that would be a pretty clear straight zero running back sort of approach if you selected your running back one after round five then you won at a 14.3 percent rate which absolutely destroys any other approach that you can have They're right and what we saw from 2018 is we saw some of these big numbers we saw McCaffrey have this incredible win rate he was the top guy by a wide margin and that again I think really encourages people to try and find that running back star but even with that being the case this late round running back worked extremely well and for me, 2019 sets up in a very, very similar fashion because running backs are so overvalued, which allows you to get, you know, stud wide receiver, stud wide receiver, stud wide receiver. And one of the problems that we were starting to run into in the 2015, 2016, 2017 time period is simply that the ADP had shifted in such a way that number one, it was a little bit more difficult to simply stack your lineup with stud wide receivers and then wide receivers weren't scoring as much. So they didn't give you as much value. We saw the NFL really shift back in the other direction last season. 
And because ADP has not really taken that into consideration, you can now go back and stack the studs. So my consideration here was Camara or DeAndre Hopkins, who those are my number three and number four guys. So I was guaranteed to get at least one of my four guys with the top four pick, which you, you always like. It's, it's a big advantage to be picking at the top of the draft there. Uh, my concern in terms of getting Camara, whom I believed would set this foundation to them be able to go with a long stretch of wide receivers, which is what I eventually did, was that he would go three. Because I think he's the pretty clear number three. I mean, he outscored Ezekiel Elliott last year, even with Mark Ingram in place. His upside with someone else. And, you know, Latavius Murray may go in and be a better back than Mark Ingram. But because of what Ingram was with the Saints, uh, a first-round draft pick who they had to trade you know, a huge amount to get and then even though he'd struggled uh, with the saints they re-signed him as a free agent i mean there were so many things really locking him into a workload that he didn't deserve murray's going to come in as an outsider he's going to get some work he's going to spell camara he may get some goal line touches but camara has just gigantic mccaffrey like upside for this season and i didn't feel like i could pass on that when i knew the caliber of wide receivers i was going to be able to get in rounds two through six and so there was there was a part of me that was happy to be able to get him and start the roster off that way and then obviously there was the part that was disappointed because i don't think he can go wrong with deandre hopkins i mean he fell to pick number 11 which uh, it just is insane right i mean you've got one of if not the best wide receiver in the nfl and you've got an offense that is emerging right i mean deandre hopkins has the potential for a calvin johnson like season this year and you know certainly if he does that i'll be disappointed that i went away from zero running back <laughs> yeah and when we look at it as well like if you look at you know what the the red flags were showing up uh, in the road of his tools um you know elliot going to tree so obviously if kamara had went to tree you would have elliot david johnson and melvin garden all who showed up as red flags on the road of his tools so at that point i think it would have been a clear decision for you to to go hopkins at at number four would that have been the decision you would have made yeah so he he would have been the guy there and i don't think that elliot is a bad pick by any stretch he comes off as one of the people in the do not draft list simply because where he's being picked in that number two number three range the expectations are so high I and mean, we still have him as a very clear top five selection so i don't think anybody you know would ever deserve any criticism for grabbing him i just do prefer the even more intensely pass heavy back there i prefer the the more high powered offense prefer the guy that i think can can legitimately see a jump into that 27 28 point range and we had todd Gurley score in the 26s last year we've had some guys like marshall falk like ladinian tomlinson like priest Holmes score in that 28 29 30 range uh, in a different nfl but one of the things we're seeing is we're moving both back to that type of nfl and away from it at the same time which has been fascinating and is i think very exciting uh, from a fantasy football perspective and from a tactical tactical perspective as we're looking at what you should do as the nfl continues to evolve kamara is the guy i like there certainly you know elliot also you know once you get amari cooper as that offense continues to to grow you know, it, it could be one of the top offenses in the NFL. So people who are expecting Elliott to do what Le'Veon Bell's done, what David Johnson's done, what Todd Gurley's done, that I think is a difficult standard to hit, but certainly not impossible for a back of that caliber. 
Yeah, and we're going to run through some of the other picks now. When you got into pick uh, in the second round, pick 209 off that second round, uh, it ended up being Mike Evans that was your pick. I know from some of your considerations that you had, you know, two tight ends marked in there. Obviously, Ertz went in the first round, so Kittle and, uh, sorry, uh, Kelsey went in the first round, so Ertz and uh, Kittle then were other options. But you went with Evans, and we talked a little bit about Antonio Brown uh, earlier in the show. He was actually the next wide receiver taken just at the very end of that round. Um what was your thoughts going into uh, taking Evans at that point? Well, Evans is one of the guys on the clear values list, right? I was hoping that there was a slight chance that someone like a Julio Jones, like an Eldo Beckham would fall to me at that spot. I mean, it seems impossible. I mean, you're talking about guys who could very easily be drafted number four, number five overall. And I don't think anybody would blink at that. I mean, they might in 2019, but certainly in some of these preceding seasons, knowing, you know, what those guys have done. I mean, you go back and look at Julio Jones's resume. And I was just looking at it yesterday. And for someone who's watched all the games who, you know, spends all their time with fantasy football i was still blown away at what his actual numbers have been season by season by season to have him going in the middle of the second round it just it's really hard to fathom right not surprising that those guys didn't fall but mike evans who had over 1500 yards last year does follow that spot lets me get that wide receiver to start loading up at that position there is some disappointment because i thought there was a very slight chance that kittle or or would come back around neither one of them did that and one of the main things that we find with the roster construction explorer is that having an elite tight end absolutely sets you up for success right it's one of the most foundational things you can do in putting together your roster a lot of people don't do it because they look at it at this onesie position but then they don't take that same logic to the difference between running backs and wide receivers right if you're going to look at tight end and say well that's just one starter then you need to really be considering how that affects the running back and wide receiver position as well but then the other side of that is if you end up with two tight ends who can score they make good flex options right so you give yourself much more flexibility and you stay away from the situation where late in drafts you're chasing bad players and that's a little bit what i got into by making the evans selection here you know you look at wide receiver there are more options now mike evans was not going to come back around into the second round but there are some good guys in that third round area there whereas once kittle and Ertz are off the board it's a big fall to the next tight end there are some intriguing guys like oj howard and evan ingram you do have someone like jared cook who had a, a good season last year and is now going into a great opportunity and that's who i eventually did select as my tight end one but those guys really pale in comparison to those top tight ends yeah and if you could go back i'm just going to go down through the next couple of selections and it starts to turn into a team very similar to uh, some of the picks that i mentioned in the dynasty draft uh, on the last show but it ended up being kamara then evans then ty hilton uh, dj moore calvin ridley uh then will fuller and then you finished off that kind of seven round run with uh, jared cook so if we look at the draft and how it played out the the players that went in that range where you uh then took ty hilton were stefan diggs one pick before hilton and then aj green a pick after um so i'm just wondering then when you look back and obviously ending up with jared cook uh, in the seventh round overall if you could go back and change would you rather have kittler Ertz in that second round then take one of that bunch of you know Diggs, Helton, Green, or Keenan Allen to be that first wide receiver on your team and chance doing it that way rather than have Jared Cook or would you go with how it developed for you after that? I would probably go with the tight end and 
that would have changed everything in the draft to where you no longer know what, who would be available, how you would go about things, which picks would be changed. But it, but one of the exercises I will go through is look at sort of an alternate team if I had gone that route, assuming most of the things with the other picks that people have made are going to stay somewhat similar and see how the construction of the roster ends up going. I ended up with a three tight end construction instead of the very strongly preferred two tight end construction with the tight ends somewhat early. I did get a couple of guys that I like late in Jared Everett and Hayden Hurst. I mean, very, very late. I think those are good options. Obviously, you wouldn't select them before the very final rounds. One of the things that I did in this draft that I think is almost the only exploitable opportunity in terms of projecting players is to take a lot of guys who are going into their second season. So out of my 18 players, so taking away the two defenses, 10 of my 18 guys are in their first three years in the league, and seven of those guys are second-year players. Strongly encourage people to go in, check out Blair's work in the wrong read on this particular element. And it also reflects work we we uh, talked a lot about Pat's work early in the show. The trade value bump that you see with those young guys fits in with the actual production bump that you see with those guys, where the only season in which you expect greater production than you got in the in the previous season is that second year. Every other year shows a decline for a handful of reasons, right? So this idea that we're going to continue to see people move and jump up into their peak is not exactly the case. But there is this big jump in year two, which is the one year people are like, I just, I'm not confident in them yet. I want them to prove it to me before I go after those guys. So I selected DJ Moore in round four, selected Calvin Ridley in round five, selected Cortland Sutton in round eight, uh, Hines at running back, uh, Freeman and Hines and running back in rounds nine and 10 consecutively there. And then Hurst obviously finishing out the draft with a couple other young guys in there. If those guys make the jumps that we would expect based on their college performance, which is still relevant for, for projecting second year players based on what they did this previous season, then the value there is going to be extreme compared to some of the other options. Now, Hearst is obviously a little bit different because he had a bad rookie season. And those are people that you do actually want to sort of avoid. Round 20 was the place where I felt confident there. And not confidence isn't even really the word, but simply comparing him versus Jason Witten, who was the other option. I think they have similar floors with the snap counts that we're hearing on Witten. Hearst's floor is very, very low, but as that former first round pick the team has this incentive to really push him volume wise right so whether he becomes a successful nfl player or not the second year is that year where they're really trying to see so even if he ends up not being an nfl player this is the year where he gets forced volume to try and find that out so even if you end up picking a guy who ends up being a very short-lived guy sort of like uh a Cordero Patterson, for example. It's those early years where you can still take advantage of that because the teams are still trying to find out what they have. And, you know, I prefer him a little bit there over guys like Marquise Brown, Mark Andrews, people you would definitely rather have. And I definitely prefer Hurst over players like Mark Andrews, Marquise Brown. But when we're looking at sort of long shots in an offense where there are concerns about pass volume, also concerns about pass efficiency, we don't know how that would turn out. I prefer the least expensive guy there. And if this offense does emerge, then I think all three of those guys will be values, but you have the least risk when you're looking at it in round 20. 
Yeah, no, I agree there. And if I was looking, obviously, and it's the way you would expect the team to line up is the what the running backs are probably the weakest core of the team and the tight ends. And then, you know, obviously you have uh, Breeze and Lamar Jackson at quarterback. So I think you're pretty, pretty good there. Um, and obviously the advantage of taking that running back and Alvin Kamara at the, the first round point that you did means that then the, the, the running backs that are in behind and, you know, Hines and uh, Breida, you know, Jill and Richard, you're only looking for one of them really to head on a weekly basis to keep things um, on track for you there. But it, it's an interesting lineup. There's a, a lot of things I like about the wide receivers. Um, I just think this team would probably look a lot better just if you had that turnaround with Kittler Ertz in the second round and then a wide receiver uh, instead of Cook in that seventh round that's probably the main thing that i would look to adjust but when you're in the draft and when you're trying to make those choices and the, there's nothing worse than when you say i'm going to pick uh, a wide receiver here and one of those two tight ends are bound to get back to me and then the two tight ends come off the board in the next uh, six picks so it's never it's never easy to, to judge those things but that's what the the apps help us help us do up on the site but overall it's a, a very very good team when you look at the teams when they were finished up um was there any team in particular you thought that came across uh, very very strong well, I mean, this is going to sound like Rotoviz bias, but I, I thought Mike's team was fantastic. If you go through and you look at his picks, he does all of the things that we're looking for, right? He he has the value of being the number two pick, and, and that's a huge value. When you get to start your roster with Christian McCaffrey, then you can make some other mistakes. But he comes back around. He does what we suggested in terms of avoiding any running back selections in rounds three and four. He grabs Zach Ertz in round three, which historically has been uh, has given fantastic results he has andrew luck and aaron Rodgers in rounds eight and nine one of the things we talked about in the best ball workshop the tight end less or the quarterback lesson was the quarterbacks are actually not as irrelevant as people tend to think when you get to stack your lineup there with the luck and Rodgers. and again at a position where the opportunity cost is is minimal right there there are good players going in that range but there are good players who are similar going again afterward when you have luck when you have rogers then your upside at the at the quarterback position is huge and and quarterback points was one of the main reasons i was able to win last year you should not uh, ignore quarterback should not ignore tight end should not ignore defense he comes back at the end he gets the three defenses so his yeah ability or potential to dominate that position is also there he basically goes through and i mean there were a couple of guys he and i talked about where you know i might have taken someone other than philip Lindsay in round five but the way that he constructed his roster and some of the big names that he has on his roster i think you have to look at that and be very uh, optimistic about his chances for success yeah it's really good that was the team i had seen as well you know the way he started that draft off with mccaffrey brown and Ertz. he could potentially have the you know the number one at that position uh, and all three positions of those, that first three rounds so really good then he has luck and rogers could possibly have the the top overall quarterback at the end of the season so just really really strong all around um the one team that's gonna be interesting to watch to see how they do when we look at it against your team sean is evan silvers he started off uh, with five running backs uh, and two tight ends in the first seven rounds uh, and then went with quite quite a large amount of youth in terms of rookies with Harry Metcalf, Campbell, Debo Samuel um, all in there and then Trey Quinn uh, going into his second year so a lot of young guys in there and a lot of running backs to start off for Evan but it's gonna be interesting to see how this goes and I'm sure we'll be talking throughout the season about it um, but uh, obviously Sean we kind of teased some of them there when we were talking about the selections you may have made or the thoughts process that you went through it um, there could be a, a piece coming out on the site over the next uh, week or so where we where you look back and talk through that so another good piece for the the, the people listening and to keep their eyes out for 
when that does hit. But we're getting closer to the end of the show, so let's jump into overtime and uh, get ready to wrap things up. So the last thing, Sean, we're going to talk about today is a piece up on the site by Court Smith, uh, and he's looking at some players that we should stop drafting at their current ADP. He has Leonard Fournette, who at any ADP I'd probably be avoiding anyway, uh, but his positional ADP is uh, 13, and then Rotovis's positional rank is 19, so seven difference there. We have Adam Humphreys, who recently moved to the Titans, uh, positional ADP at 61, Rotovis rank at 68. Uh, and then we have uh, CJ Anderson also 62 at the running back position, uh, 74 on the Rotovis rank. And so we have uh, two players who have uh, switched offenses. And uh, obviously, we know that that can uh, be a very much a hindrance to fantasy production. Leonard Fournette, though, is the one that I would be picking out of this list because the other guys, the investment isn't huge in terms of what you're putting in there. And obviously, you're still getting value if you avoid them, I think. But Leonard Fournette uh, at a positional ADP of 13 is somebody who I've been really trying to avoid this offseason. And pretty much since he came into the NFL, obviously, year one, uh, I obviously missed out on that production. But I think I don't know how long he is for the NFL in terms of his position. I've been drafting uh, the guys that are in there behind him in that depth chart this offseason, um, and that there's where I'll be looking to get my value in the Jacksonville running back room, and it'll be avoiding Leonard Fournette. But what's your thoughts on all three of them? Is Fournette the one that stood out for you, or was there anything that stood out of the three guys um, that maybe you agree or disagree with? He is. And and like you said, the reason that he would be a concern is just that the, the price is very significant there. And this one is going to definitely go one of two very opposite ways in that that offense is poised to improve. And there is nothing else there that he is competing with. I mean, it's to the point where Raquel Armstead, uh, an interesting sort of late flyer in his own right, but becomes one of the more intriguing rookies simply because behind Fournette, you're talking about basically nothing. So for people who are are almost exclusively volume drafters, I think this is an intriguing pick because you've got a former very high reality selection who does have some talent and is going to be an improving offense where if he stays healthy and stays in the good graces of the team, then his total number of touches could be huge. Now, the downside, obviously, is that he's had a hard time staying healthy. He's had a hard time staying in the good graces of his team. He's not one of those guys where you would expect his total number of receptions to jump in such a way that he suddenly has expected points in the 20, 23, 25 range. And then he simply hasn't been the kind of star that we've been expecting now there have been some stretches where he's been healthy where he's put up some good numbers but he's almost in that trent richardson range with the exception that trent richardson through his first couple of seasons had actually caught the ball right and was this hybrid running back who could give you value in in both elements of the game and so i think that was one of the reasons why the colts were interested in him even after he was busting out there in cleveland and it was one of the reasons why fantasy owners were very interested in him now he did go you know in in the bad direction and obviously very quickly flunked out of the nfl um fournette based on how little the jaguars seem to like him even though he's their guy you, know, you you get the feeling that Fournette might already be moving into that area, especially if he has any sort of health problems. Because if, if he has problems with the legs, with the feet, anything like that, then it's going to sap him of what little he has 
that would really separate him or make him someone who is is worth kind of stacking those carries in on to where that big volume would deliver the value so there's there's big risk for him there he's one of those players where you know all of these running backs are overvalued in terms of what you know we would project them to do and they're overvalued because of the risk involved and so he's barely in my top 50 which obviously makes him someone that i'm not anywhere near at his adp that doesn't mean that there's not a scenario where he returns value and he's even picked in the first round in 2020 anytime someone is a former high pick is going to have those number of touches if the offense improves if he stays healthy you know it could certainly work out the risk doesn't justify his ADP. There are a lot of other guys who are more established, who are better actual NFL players, who play the position that you really want in that range that you should be going after instead. But you know, if Fournette is being drafted in the Ezekiel Elliott range next year, you know that that certainly is not an impossibility. Yeah, and if you look at it as well, you know the the team has voided his fifth year option of the rookie contract. So you mentioned just you know the, the issues there. He's had off the field issues in terms of arrests and things like that. There, um, he's had on the field issues where he had the suspension last year, um, versus Buffalo, um, and he's had the injury issues pretty much since he entered the league, um, the the whole way along. So all those things combined change at quarterback lots of different things happening there's just far too many red flags for me to be drafting at that position and you know if you look at the guys you mentioned ricardo armstead um i'm actually doing a rookie draft this week and i actually got him in the late third round which um i think is a, a pretty late pick going on what i think his value will be um and you know if you're looking at zero rb candidates guys like him alfred blue who while he hasn't been uh you know somebody who lit the league on fire he has still had work while backing up lamar miller for the houston texans over the last couple of years and you know their guys i think this year we could be looking um as zero rb candidates in terms of if anything happened for net in terms of either production or injury um i think those guys could step right in so he's the guy i'm definitely avoiding uh, another good piece up there by court smith on the site so as we get ready to wrap up the show i just want to let all the listeners know as always you can get a rotoviz nfl discount right now just for being a loyal listener to the podcast it is 10 percent, and you get that through the rotoviz.com forward slash podcast page that is the podcast homepage the season is coming very very fast there's lots of great content and tools up there we talk to it on a show to show basis uh, but you just uh, we, we can't cover it all there's just so much good stuff up there make sure you sign up for that nfl pass right now and save yourself 10 percent. that is rotaviz.com forward slash podcast and with that it's going to do it for today's edition of the show it's been a lot of fun running through it looking at the nfl or the mfl 10 off death with sean among some of those articles sean uh enjoy today's one i did it, it, it's always fun recapping a draft and in the drafts you know people who aren't actively drafting are not being forced to make decisions they're not getting a chance to see what other people are doing they're not working through the flow of of the picks i mean the thing that had has always helped me in terms of the high stakes results and that type of thing is the volume of drafts and so i would encourage you to get out there it's fun to draft uh and and drafting is what makes you better right you don't have to have a lot of actual information about what's going on if you're involved in these drafts now we have that information we have all of the stuff on the site like colin said that will help you 
you know, find these handful of guys that will be the league winners for you this year. But simply going out there and drafting is one of the best things that you can do. And it's the reason you play fantasy football. It's, it's the most fun part of the year. So uh, everybody get out and do that. And we will talk to you again soon. Yeah, and you get all those, uh, you know, you, you get to know the value. Obviously, you're, we're looking at the, the tools on the site and it's giving you the points. But when you're drafting with other people, especially when you're drafting in a league like this with so many industry experts, it gives you kind of pinpoints of where, you know, the pressure points are in certain drafts, where players will start to go, where the runs might start on players, gives you different perspectives and uh, builds up your kind of your knowledge of where things can go right and, of course, where things can go wrong and try and avoid those. But I do think, like you touched on something there, I think sometimes drafting is probably the most fun part of everything in fantasy football obviously winning the championship is uh, the most enjoyable part but drafting is something that's always a, a fun thing to do so get out there get into those drafts and uh, enjoy yourself as the off season really starts to kick into full gear here and we get ready for the 2019 season that's going to do us for today's edition of the show as always my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at over to martin my co-host is sean siegel who you can follow on twitter at ff underscore contrarian and with that it's going to do us for another one. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime and Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 10% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage. That is rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy Decoy by Duckhorn. Elevate your occasion. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2 excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.